Good morning. It is so lovely to be here with all of you. Thank you for the invitation, Nate, and thank you all for being here. As Nate said, I'm the executive director of Friendship House, and I consider Red Clay home, which makes it extra special for me to be here with you all. And thank you so much for your continued support to Friendship House. I'm so excited to see that the uniform shop is back in action, and I will be there trying to help sell uniform items to all of you to benefit our clothing bank and our community. You never cease to amaze me and your gifts and the way that you are a blessing to us. So I've enjoyed listening to the sermon series that Nate has begun and reading the book, A Life Worth Living. And it's been interesting for me to see some of the parallels of the journey you might be on as I think about what we're doing at Friendship House and the folks that access our services. One of the parallels for me, though, that kind of stuck out that I wanted to talk about with you today is a question that the folks who come to us every day ask. And that's, who gets to determine what life looks like that's worth living? There's an exercise that I often like to do when I'm talking about Friendship House to children. And what I'll ask them to do is picture somebody who is experiencing homelessness. And then I invite them to shout out what they, say, what they, what they see. Oftentimes it's things such as, well, I see a man. He's dirty. He's carrying bags. And then I'll ask, well, where is this person? Well, he's sleeping on a bench, or maybe on the side of the road asking for help, or maybe just sitting on a sidewalk. And I do this exercise with adults as well, although the responses might come across a little more cautiously, because once it's said out loud, you can see the stigma that is happening. It's important to go through this exercise because how we envision homelessness will result in how we address it. And so if we believe that homelessness is a man that needs food, a shower, or shelter, then that's what we're going to do to respond to homelessness. And in fact, homelessness is so much more. And not to mention that these responses don't address the myriad of reasons someone might actually enter into being homeless. I see this often when I explain that Friendship House is an organization that works with people experiencing homelessness. And instantly, people will assume that we run soup kitchens and shelters, when in fact, we do neither. So a little bit about Friendship House for those who may not be familiar. We unite people who are facing homelessness with loving, supportive communities they can call home. And we're very specific about that language because of how we define homelessness and how we define houselessness, which is actually two different things in our world. See, someone who's experiencing homelessness is someone who is separated from their community. They have a crisis and they are forced to navigate it by themselves because they don't have family or friends or loved ones versus someone who might just be unhoused, but they have a community to help hold them through and guide them through the strife they're experiencing. It is very common for these things to happen simultaneously. And so we have programs to address both of them. We have transitional housing, where it's designed for folks who went into a program, but they need more time to work on the issues at hand. Most common folks who come to our housing program are coming out of an alcohol or drug inpatient rehabilitation program. They might come to us from a domestic violence shelter. 
human trafficking, incarceration, and they spend maybe a year or two with us just working on getting self-sufficient. We have the clothing bank, which accepts donated clothing, and then we gift it free to the community. We also have a program there for women who are currently incarcerated. They're in a program called Work Release, where they start their day in prison, they come work for us, and then they go back to prison at night. And they stay th with us through their reentry process back into society. We have empowerment centers that are designed for anyone that may need any needs. Oftentimes, if someone's not sure what they need, someone says, just go to Friendship House. They can help you. So some examples of why someone might come to our empowerment centers or services they would receive is we have just basic hospitality, like access to bathrooms, coffee. We provide bus tickets to appointments. We have a computer lab. And we have a robust case management process to help folks navigate the system. In our empowerment centers also is a financial assistance program to help pay off bills or help with work certification, things that folks can't afford but they need in order to stay housed or to continue on their journey. And we also do what we call seasonal programming. During the winter, we work with our faith community to provide additional shelter when it's really dangerously, bitterly cold at night. And then we also, new to this year, started something called Code Orange. When it's dangerously hot outside, we open when we normally would not be open. At the heart of all of our programs, it's a desire for every person to be treated with respect, grace, acceptance, compassion, and love. So we believe that the people who come to us get the right to dictate their own journey. They get to decide where they want to go. We're just there to help navigate. I often think of it as if we're in a car, and they're driving, and they say, I want to go here, but I don't know how to get there. Well, we've done this journey a lot, so we can help them navigate that. We give them the different paths that they can take, and we explain the turns that they have to do that's really not negotiable. And while we're with them, they might change the path that they want to take. They might even change the goal and decide they want to go over here. That's fine. We're with them until they decide they don't want or need us anymore. As I pointed out at the beginning, there's a significant stigma that goes along with people who are experiencing homelessness. Not only do people believe the image that I shared at the beginning, but it's also assumed that if someone is struggling to pay their bills, they're not working hard enough. Or if a parent leaves their child home alone at night because they have a second job, they're irresponsible. It's assumed that people who live on the street have mental illness or a substance abuse disorder, or both. Maybe sometimes these things are true. We do, in fact, work with people who could work a little harder or might be a little irresponsible. They do have mental illness. They do suffer from substance abuse. But this is true for people in this room as well. Take me, for example. I could work harder. I can be more responsible at times. I have my own mental health concerns, and yet I'm not homeless. The things, these things are not the root cause of homelessness, but unfortunately, substance abuse, irresponsibility, mental health, yes, they can lead to a person becoming unhoused and ultimately homeless. But so does being in LGBTQ plus community. So does being born into poverty. So does being black or brown in our society. 
It's not just the cultural norms that result in someone's isolation or lack of resources. Policy is another area of concern. So for example, according to data that was pulled by the Housing Alliance Delaware, as of December 2020, there were 17,000 people in Delaware that were recipients of SSI. Now SSI is Supplemental Security Income for folks who are suffering a disability or are over 65 years of age and meet financial guidelines, meaning they have very little other income available to them. If you received SSI in 2020, that means you were receiving $783 a month. Nowhere in the state of Delaware can you rent a one-bedroom apartment for less than $800 a month. And yet we expect people to live on that every single month. Is that how we define a life worth living? You see, our society has, decide, has defined what determines a life worth living through our societal norms and our rules. And then we create a specific pathway to access that worthy living. And unfortunately, stigma, lack of information, stereotypes have played a long and painful path that many people can't or aren't allowed to follow. We set the bar all the way up here for people to access. And when people are drowning, they can't reach it. What would it look like if we lowered this bar just a little bit? What if we made housing just a little bit more accessible? What if we paid people a livable wage? What if we had good quality health care accessible to all? If we believe this is a life that's worth living, why are we making it so hard for people to reach? It doesn't feel very loving, does it? At Friendship House, we work hard to help people reach this bar by breaking down barriers that might preventing it and also advocating to get that bar lowered. Again, I mentioned at the beginning it's important to understand homelessness because as a society, we are responsible in creating responses to it. Without help from the dominant culture or from the people that have the power and the resources, someone without that power or resource is extremely dependent on us for help. The people who access our services all have unique stories, journeys, and desires. However, there are some common desires that I've seen over the years. For example, one is people desire to have a steady, consistent, and enough income. And there's barriers for people who are trying to secure employment. For starters, you need identification. Well, unfortunately, in order to secure an ID, you need a home address. What if your address is that of a P.O. box because you live in your car? What if your home address is a shelter? What if you have no address other than the, under the bridge right next to your building? So Friendship House has responded by creating a Friendship House ID where it has the person's picture, one of our addresses, and our logo. Clearly, it is a Friendship House ID. But because of our due diligence and our reputation, there are businesses that accept this, and they use it. Another barrier, when you complete jail or prison and you've completed your time, you owe fines and fees to the justice system based on your time that you spent in prison. Your sentence is not complete 
until you pay off those fines and fees. And while you're carrying an active sentence, it can be very hard to find employment in order to pay those fines and fees off. So French spouses overcome this barrier by creating a fund specific to help pay off court fines and fees for folks who are otherwise unable to. Another common desire that I hear from folks who are accessing our services is that they desire housing, which we all know is so difficult to secure without barriers. So for folks who are needing affordable housing, it is exponentially harder because these units just do not exist. Nationwide, we are suffering from a shortage of affordable housing. And we see this firsthand in our transitional housing program where our folks are struggling to find housing once they complete our program. So we've extended our program for another year. And we let our folks stay. And while with us, they're working on ways to increase their income, whether it's finding certifications, more education, or promotions with their employer. And they stay until they can afford to move out on their own. A third thing that I have heard and this might be the thing that everyone has in common. They desire to be loved and accepted. This is partly why so many people that we work with are so willing to share their story. It's not only to inspire others to not give up, but they want to let you know they also desire a life worth living. Loving people might be the thing that we do the most at Friendship House. Our empowerment centers show love through compassion by always being an open door to others. The only thing we ask is just be you when you come to access our services. One way that we honor this is also through our new initiative of Code Orange, by opening additional space when others are closed, when it is desperately hot outside. Our clothing bank shows love through respect by nurturing the women coming out of incarceration and focusing on preparing them for a world that might not appreciate or understand them. They get to see that there are people who accept them and love them even though they were charged with a crime. We also provide school uniform items. So we believe every kid deserves the tools that they need to be ready for school. Our transitional housing program shows love through grace and acceptance by offering time and support so every resident, resident can find their own life worth living. We believe in loving a person so much they can't help but love themselves. And it's really difficult to believe in yourself and to believe that you have a life worth living when you've faced abandonment, abuse, neglect, judgment. One of our goals is that anyone that we work with knows they have a small but mighty group of people who believe they deserve to be and do whatever their dreams are. It is our job to make sure they know at least one person loves them. My experience at French Pass has taught me we're not supposed to project on others the way that they should be living. I believe one of the many things Jesus was teaching us is let people find their own way. Let them find their life worth living. This is part of our own journey towards our relationship with God and each other. Corinthians this morning says, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears 
and the sun shines bright. But for now, we have three things to do. Trust steady in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. The best of the three is love. In the beginning of the book, A Life Worth Living, the authors ask, when our lives have come to an end, how do we want, the, want to end the phrase, above all else, they were? Above all else, how do you want to be described? The one thing I hope is said about every person when they die is above all else, they were loved. Amen. Amen.